0: Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New York Giants. This is the Giants Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Giants Wire editor, Dan Benton.
1: We made a decision to move on from Jason Garrett, the offense coordinator for the New York Giants. Look, I have a lot of respect for Jason as a person, as a coach. He's been a tremendous asset to me as a young head coach. Uh, He's helped our development here. That being said, um, ultimately, I'll make every decision based on what's best for the team long term. I feel we have to be more productive as an offense. Generally speaking, the offensive job is to score points. Uh, I don't believe we're scoring enough points. And uh, it's my job as the head coach to make sure I give our players an opportunity to go out there and make plays.
0: So that's where we stand. Jason Garrett fired by the Giants after a, uh, I don't know, the offense just, it was embarrassed on Monday night football in Tampa Bay, Dan, coming off the bye. Just uh, just a a terrible effort. Judge kind of hinted that changes were coming. Did not take long. Jason Garrett out as offensive coordinator of the Giants. They're not just going to replace play callers. They're getting rid of Jason Garrett, right? Getting him out of the locker room. What's your leadoff thought on this move by the Giants? Jason Garrett, gone.
2: I can't say that it's... um... I can't say that it's surprising. I think it's surprising that it took this long, and, and I guess maybe there's some level of surprise to the fact that they just fired him outright. I thought maybe they would just start play calling from him, kind of keep him yeah. in place with the offensive coordinator. Yep. But yeah, they, they just went the uh, the full mile and just got rid of him outright. Which, you know, admittedly, I, I know that Giants fans are, are elated, they're celebrating, but the reality is that Jason Garrett's a good person. You know, um, he, he's been a Giant twice in his career. He's done everything he could to help the team. You know, it hasn't worked, obviously. And, you know, there's there's some frustration over that, not just, you know, with the fans, but with the players, obviously, which we've learned about over the last 24 hours. There was a kind of a growing resentment in the locker room. Again, not necessarily against the man, but against his job. You know, uh, where they go from here is going to be interesting. The next seven games will make or break a lot of players, a lot of personnel. Uh, maybe save jobs maybe lose jobs uh it's not the ideal situation to be in certainly um, not where a judge wants to be and doesn't necessarily reflect very well on him either but that's another topic perhaps for later or another day here we are reset button hit again
0: jason garrett as you've talked about a lot on the show dan tight with the mara family mm-hmm. uh that's why he was unemployed for like five seconds when the cowboys fired him right he was with the giants pretty quickly after that and you know ownership approving a move like this it might as well be a memo to every other player and coach in the organization that heads are about to roll right i mean they're all on notice now the head coach and quarterback included i think they're not exempt that was a debacle on monday i mean how do you play your worst game coming out of the bye week
2: well you know like again drilling back to some of the you know some of the numbers that we talked about you know last week and then some of the other ones that have come up giants are and eight in their last eight games against defending super bowl championships they're Winless in primetime games that you know Daniel Jones starts, and even winless going back a little bit further than that. Terrible on primetime period. Terrible in their alternate uniforms period. Terrible after the bye week period. Terrible period. That's where we
0: are. That's it. And, and you said that the move probably came too late. It's kind of easy to fire your offensive coordinator when the when the offense sucks and you're three and seven again. You know, the more aggressive move would have been to go find the guy in the offseason after it didn't work last year. But Gettleman kind of told us, didn't he, Dan? He kind of told us that. It was continuity. That's what we need for Daniel Jones. We don't need to change the system for Jones. We need to we need to keep this ship going. We need to just improve and do it better. And I think that's the scary part, right? They chose continuity and the same thing happened. And now they're making the move mid season when Mm -hmm. we're three and seven once again. That's the frustrating part, right? You 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 hit on that. Could have came earlier, but they decided that wasn't the right move, but nothing changed. The same thing. Like they're still averaging 18 points per game, Mm -hmm. right? You invested in all these wide receivers. And yeah. here's a stat I want to throw at you, Dan, before I let you go here. Through 10 games, the Giants wide receivers, after adding Kenny Galladay, drafting Kadarius Tony, adding John Ross. Obviously, you already had Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard. Through 10 games, Giants wide receivers, four touchdown catches. Four touchdown catches total. Total. <laughs> one apiece for John Ross, Dante Pettis, Slayton, and Shepard, right? No TDs for Galladay or Tony. At least Andrew Thomas got one. <laughs> That's, that stat is like staggering to me. I was just looking. I'm like, how many wide receivers have even caught a touchdown pass? Because we're throwing That's it to amazing. Andrew Thomas, mm-hmm. four, four touchdown receptions from the wide receivers this year. It's terrible. It's like, how do you wrap your head around that? It's just a bad
2: offensive system. There's really no yeah. other way to. Yeah. There's really no other way to put it. And this is what we've been, you know, screaming about since the end of last season. And now there are reports surfacing that. The Giants, the front office included, did debate whether or not to fire Garrett this offseason, and like you said, opted to go along with the continuity route. And um, when you have management, you know, weighing in on those kind of decisions, and you know, these are the results. You kind of have to ask yourself how Marionse separate themselves from the chaos. They could point fingers all day long, but if they, you know, had input in this decision, and now it sounds like they did all along. Now, I want to be clear in what I'm saying. By all intents and purposes, they did not force Jason Garrett onto Joe Judge, even though that has been speculated. I know some people still aren't going to believe that that's the case, and it may not be. But from everything that we know publicly and even what we have heard privately... That is not the case. You know, I want to stress again that, you know, people can disagree with that. I personally don't even necessarily believe that myself. <laughs> Me um, either. <laughs> but evidence is what it is, and facts are what they are until they're not. And right now, the reality is that it was a Joe Judge decision, and that's the sword that he's falling on, and that's the sword that he fell on on Tuesday after talking about the termination of Jason Garrett, that it was his decision, the coaching staff decisions are all his own, So that reflects very poorly, not on just on Joe Judge himself, but on Dave Gettleman, on John Mara, on Steve Tisch, on everyone in the front office who made that decision. Um, And the unfortunate fallout from that is that everyone other than Mara and Tisch will suffer the consequences because of their decisions. And that's extremely problematic, especially when you look at the fact that the Giants are now two months removed from an essential year one rebuild for the fourth time in 10 years. Let me say that again so people can grasp what it is that I'm Rounded, saying.
0: Round and round we go.
2: The Giants are two months away from a year one rebuild for the fourth time in 10 years. And you can't fire Mara and Tish. The Giants, unfortunately, are in a really bad spot because of that. And listen, I have nothing but the utmost respect for Mara and Tish, the Mara family in particular, dating back to Wellington, Mara, and beyond. Uh, but the mismanagement of this team is it's so poor that it's almost stunning in a way, really, because now we find ourselves in the situation where you're going down a seven game stretch. You're getting a new play caller in judges telling you straight out that the offense is going to be more aggressive and different, which means Daniel Jones is going to have to change on the fly again. And the hand that he's been dealt and the hand that the offense has been dealt with all of these changes, even last year with coaching staff changes mid season, although they were on the lower level, it's, unrealistic to expect high production from an offense when the parts are constantly moving and things are constantly changing so the giants have probably made the right decision by firing garrett but that comes with a consequence and the consequences are going to be rather extreme
0: i mean you could have addressed this in different ways you didn't have to show jason garrett the door right i mean if he's he is tight with ownership like we said so they could have just i don't know Handed play calling over to Freddie Kitchens. We did a whole, Great. I think we did a whole Which, podcast on that. Right, and
2: that, exactly, and that's <laughs> something that we have openly discussed yeah. early this year. It's like, yeah. how did we reach that conclusion <laughs> months before the Giants reached that conclusion? That's that speaks volumes about where this organization is right now. And as a fan, it, it should turn their stomachs. Yeah,
0: no, we're, we're, but we are brilliant, Dan, as you know, in our listeners. <laughs> but you know, the fact that they showed him the door, Jason Garrett. I think that they want him out of the locker room. It does scream, like, Judge, he's over it. The players in the locker room, they're probably over it. Like, they wanted him removed from the whole situation. Like, that. I think that's kind of telling. It just shows you where they're kind of at. But what yeah. do you think – I mean, Judge is talking about a, a collaborative effort uh, with offensive coordinating, which is just a little scary, right? When you start delegating work like that and you got five people doing the job of one person – that's a little scary sometimes, Dan. You well, know? Look at, like,
2: well, look no further than how the offensive line is playing. They've got 7,000 different coaches coaching the offensive line, and
0: and look at where they're at right yeah, now. Ever it's since just, the offensive line coach was fired last year.
2: <laughs> yeah, there, there's just there's too many things happening. There's too many pieces moving. There's too much input from too many people. It's just it's non-functional. It's just non-functional across the board, and this notion that they're going to remove a single – you know, solidary piece from it. And all of a sudden things are going to fit together. That's just not going to happen. I know there are a lot of fans out there who are related with Jason Garrett being removed. And they have this, you know, these dreams of grandeur about how this offense is suddenly going to turn around. It may, I mean, it may. And if Daniel Jones can go out there and light the world on fire for the next seven weeks and save everyone's jobs, that would be the best case scenario. But the likelihood of that happening, I'm certainly not betting on it. Are you?
0: No. And, you know, just want to say happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I know that we're in a jolly <laughs> mood here on the Giants Wire podcast. All Giants fans just in a great mood this week. Uh, all right. So that kind of brings us to Daniel Jones. I want to get to the quarterback, his future. You know, he had a rough outing, uh, another rough one, a uh, uh, national TV, Dan. But first, we're going to get some fantasy football advice from the huddle.com. Thanks for sticking with us.
1: This is the typical sports Sportsbook Fantasy Minute.
3: Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Wishing everyone a happy Thanksgiving, I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com, here to bring you strong plays for Week 12. Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson at the Washington football team. It feels weird to include him here, because most people will suffer through his struggles, but the star passer has not gotten over 11.3 fantasy points in each of his two games since returning from finger surgery. Wilson doesn't even have a touchdown pass in those two games. The Washington defense has allowed seven quarterbacks to post 27-plus fantasy points in 2021, and five times the signal caller has accounted for three-plus touchdowns. This presents a great chance for Wilson to get back on track. Houston Texans running back Rex Burkhead versus New York Jets. No team has been softer against running backs in the last five weeks than New York. The position has steamrolled this unit, going for 123 rushing yards per game, the second most, and a touchdown every 9.9 attempts. That's the highest frequency. The veteran back saw a team-high 18 carries last week, but he did average 2.2 per tote. That said, 15-18 to 18 carries versus this defense would make Burkhead an intriguing gamble for your flex spot. Understand what kind of risk you're taking, but it does help a little bit after Philip Lindsay was released. Wide receiver Kendrick Bourne, New England Patriots versus the Tennessee Titans. Bourne has caught four passes in four of the last six games, including two touchdowns, and he has averaged 12.1 PPR points over that span. The Titans have allowed 18 receivers to catch at least five passes in 2021 and 11 players went for 17.4 PPR points or more. The Titans have been one of the toughest teams on the ground versus running backs, which could lead to slightly more passing for Mac Jones. Bourne has wide receiver three or better value in most formats. New York Giants tight end Evan Ingram versus the Philadelphia Eagles. On the heels of consecutive games with touchdowns, Ingram had a great matchup versus Tampa Bay, but was held to only 12 yards on two catches, despite being targeted five times. Veteran tight end Kyle Rudolph hobbled off the field late in the game with an ankle injury and his status for Week 12 is certain. What is certain? This is the best possible matchup for the position. Philadelphia has granted the most receptions and yards per game to the position, and a touchdown allowed every 10.3 grabs is the ninth highest frequency, coming in the volume of four scores over the last five games. All things Giants passing game amounts to risk, but there's plenty of reward here if you're willing to take the chance. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com.
1: Four seven zero zero in Colorado.
0: All right, Dan. I guess uh, well, if you want to use the play caller as an excuse uh, for Daniel Jones playing one of his one of his worst games, I think. I I, he I know he played pretty poorly against the Rams earlier this year too, and that that was a debacle. But you know, the optics of Monday night was just so rough. Like you know, you got it. You got to see the best in the business, right? Daniel Jones versus Tom Brady. Now Brady has right. It couldn't have been a
2: worse contrast. Yeah, yeah, the Giants. The
0: optics are tough. Brady has 29 touchdown passes. He leads the league. Daniel okay. Jones has nine. It just shows you how far off the Giants are, right, from these offenses that are actually functioning. But here's, like, the big question, Dan. The Giants are in this really weird, awkward, difficult spot where they have Daniel Jones, who's now 11-25 and 25 in his 36 starts for a variety of reasons that has not worked out. He's been up. He's been down. Like, I could read off his, uh, his passer ratings, right, since week one. 90.7, 102.2, 90.9, 108.5. Pretty good in the beginning, right? 65.5, 44.7, 95.9, 96.1, 104.2, and then 57.7 in this last one. Just up and down all over the place. You don't know what to expect. Why are they in a tough spot? Because now they have to try to evaluate a quarterback. They pick number six overall. Midway through another abject failure of a season, right? Three and seven. It's going down the drain. And they need to make a decision on his fifth-year option this coming spring. While they could have two top ten picks in the draft head. This is a really awkward spot where you're evaluating a quarterback, and I don't think it's conclusive, right, for all these different factors. It's hard just to say Daniel Jones sucks. It's also hard to say he can play and he's the guy. We're stuck somewhere in the middle. I don't know how the Giants make this call. This is a really, really interesting spot. Now, two weeks ago on the podcast, I think I did a whole segment on how Daniel, we're not worried about a quarterback in this draft, right? But this is where this is how it changes in the NFL, right? Here we are. I think this is a really tough spot for the Giants when they're trying to evaluate their quarterback. Does he is he the guy or is he not the guy? I think it's inconclusive.
2: It's a winless scenario, is what the Giants have positioned themselves in right yeah,
0: now. Yeah, that's a good way. And, to
2: and it. it goes it goes beyond just the evaluation of Daniel Jones, which is it's. Let's just be honest. Like if we're being objective, it's near impossible. How can you evaluate any quarterback in the situation that Jones has found himself in? Multiple head coaches, multiple offensive coordinators, multiple offensive systems, the worst offensive line in football for two years running. Now, if you go back to his first year under Pat Shermer, he was explosive and throwing touchdowns left and right. He almost set the rookie record for touchdowns. Since then, he can't find the end zone. And you ask yourself, what changed? Well, what changed is the offensive system, the personnel groupings, and the offensive line play. Certainly, Johns has improved on his turnover ratio, but his production as a result has gone down. It kind of reminds me of Eli Manning and and Kevin Gilbride's system. Yeah, he turned the ball over a lot, but he was electric. He was winning Super Bowls, throwing touchdowns. Sometimes you have to be overly aggressive, and you just have to take a couple turnovers and rely on your defense to play well. That's a whole other issue with the Giants right now that's a topic for another day and then when we start to look ahead like you said the Giants are likely to have two top ten picks do they use them on a quarterback well that depends on who the general manager is that depends on who the head coach is yeah yep. and- now we find ourselves in that cycle again, where it's like we're going to force Judge on the next GM, which is going to limit our our names in the GM search, and then Judge is he going to hitch his wagon to uh, to Jones, which it appears that he is, you know, has full intent to do. Well, then you're forcing a head coach and a quarterback on a GM, so then you dilute that water even further, and those options become even fewer. And that's where I become fearful of the fact that they're just going to hire someone like Kevin Abrams to fill Gettleman's spot, and then literally nothing changes. Now, you can make the argument that wiping all that away, they should use one of those top ten picks on another quarterback and let Jones go on his merry way. Well, that's all well and good, but if you watch that game on Monday night, Name a single quarterback in the history of the NFL that can survive when your offensive line is so bad that the defenders beat them so easily that they think it's a screenplay and drop into coverage because it is unrealistic that they could possibly beat a professional left tackle or right tackle that easily. And then you have the wide receivers who converge five yards down the field on on what should be a seven-yard route and literally run into each other and fall down. Yeah, that was rough. So, again, you know, you can look at the quarterback, you know, class in this coming draft, and I'll be the first to say it right now. I don't think any of them are better than Daniel Jones. Agreed. Go ahead and light me on fire. I don't care. I don't think any of them are better than Daniel Jones. But even beyond that, I will give you an entire pool of Quarterbacks throughout the entire history of the NFL, and I challenge anyone to pick one of them and tell me who and how they can su- succeed in the mess that the Giants have offensively right now.
0: It would have been fun to put Tom Brady in that offense, see what happened. He probably just would have thrown the ball out of bounds and sweared at everybody all night long. <laughs> <laughs> that's all he would have done. I'm not getting hit for this. But that's,
2: crap. that's what makes it so hard to evaluate yeah. Jones too, though. You can't, and it's do it. Not, you can't I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'm not being a Jones apologist. I, I heavily criticized them the other night for for terrible, terrible decisions. They were. But the reality is, is like I said, he, he's got the gips and you need to factor that reality into the situation. It's a disaster, and it's a, it's just it is genuinely impossible to evaluate a quarterback, and it doesn't have to be Jones. It's genuinely impossible to evaluate a quarterback in this situation.
0: Well, so much for Philly week, Dan. We had a whole show planned to talk about this yeah, Philadelphia game, all the fun storylines, all how, how the fans hate each other, and the teams hate each other, and the coaches... <laughs> Well, now we're going to, have to squeeze this into our final segment. Talk about the game against the Eagles. We'll do that right after this.
1: This is the typical sportsbook minute. Let's make this interesting.
3: What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slipping Podcast, presented by sportsbookwire.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie Nathan Beagle to break down this week's Sunday night football game between the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens are favored three and a half. The total is forty-five and a half. I'm on the Cleveland Browns getting three and the hook. Football outsiders actually grades the Browns higher than the Baltimore. I think it could be a get right spot for Cleveland's offense playing against a banged up. Uh, Baltimore defensive line and a banged up Baltimore secondary. Nate, how do you see this game playing out? So Baltimore averages the most rushing yards per game, and the Browns are giving up more than 165 per game. Give me Lamar in the points. Also, the Browns have not lost by less than three this season. Three and a half it is. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a
1: limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado.
0: All right, Dan. Because I'm a I'm a big person, I can admit when I'm I was when I'm wrong, right? So last week I picked the Giants, uh, and I was very uh, confident in my pick. You, you told me the Giants were going to get smoked, and uh, you were right. I was wrong. So I'm that's a big I'm a big man. I'm going to admit I was wrong once again. Eleven and a half points coming off a bye. You couldn't just lose by ten. All right, Giants. Whatever. Um, now it's Eagles week, and Giants fans are probably fired up. There's a lot of storylines that we can get into uh, coming into this one, but. I don't think Giants fans are going to like my take on this. I I think that uh, the Giants are in some trouble here because while you've been putzing around uh, and just you know firing your offensive coordinator and you can't get anything right, the Eagles have been like smacking teams in the mouth. Dan, they are a smash mouth football team that can also score points. Like, they're scoring points at, like, a crazy clip. They've won three of their last four. They scored 44 versus the Lions, 30 against the Broncos, and 40 against the Saints last week. And they're only lost in the last four, 27-24 to the Chargers. So the Eagles are this interesting team where they run the ball, like, 40 to 50 times a Mm -hmm. game, and they're smash mouth and they're physical, and they're hard to beat. And when you're a team in disarray, I don't know if this is the team you want to see on your, you know what I mean? Like the Giants. I don't know if this is the game you want on your schedule right now. I don't know if the Giants are in a good spot to be facing the Eagles who are going to come and try to smack them in the mouth. So I don't love the matchup. I'm kind of on the Eagles right now if I had to pick a pick. What do you think?
2: I think that despite literally everything that I've said in this podcast so far, This might actually be exactly what the doctor ordered. Oh, you stop it, Dan. You
0: stop it.
2: I know that nobody wants to hear it, and I know that I'm going to get nonsense all week long. I really believe that despite the entire disaster that the Giants have going on right now, the fact that they're going to change offensive systems, their guys are getting healthy, even more guys, potentially Sterling Shepard, are going to come back. They're going to open up the offense. They're going to be aggressive. Whether that functions or not behind that offensive line, I don't know. My hope is, and I think Giants fans should hope, that uh, Bredesen comes back this week and and helps shore up at least a little bit uh, on the inside. I think that Graham is going to come in and know exactly what's happening with the Eagles. It's obvious that they're going to try and pound the ball. There's no other way around it. You're going to have to drop a spy on Jalen Hurts. You're going to get Logan Ryan back in the game. Uh, Hopefully you can get Lorenzo Carter back who fills that spiral particularly well. And you're going to have to key in on making him beat you with the arm and not his legs. And I think if they're able to do that and shore up themselves defensively on the interior, that they stand a very legitimate chance of winning this game. And beyond just that, beyond just the emotion of the game, based on everything that happened last year, this is going to be a defining moment for Joe Judge, and his players are going to know that. And say whatever you want about Joe Judge and how he coaches and how he manages the clock. His players fight for him. They continue to fight for him. They continue to play hard for him. They love the guy. That's a reality. You can see it. You can hear it. You can see it on the field every single week. And they know damn well that they cannot lose this game for Judge.
0: You know, it was that former tool bag head coach, Doug Peterson. You know, th- th- that was the guy that put the final nail in our path to the playoffs really? talk last season, Dan. Really? Remember, yeah. he, he put he, he put the RIP on our path uh, talks. Yeah,
2: You know darn well that that's going to be a topic of conversation yeah. for the Giants this oh, week. Yeah. So, total total no BS.
0: No doubt about it. BS. The Eagles threw that game. So Washington would win the division and not the Giants. And Joe Judge called them out, and it was excellent. I think we all loved it, right? We all love that. And then Peterson gets canned for, you know, that everything that happened in that debacle. And, uh, and, and then the Eagles screwed the Giants over in the draft as well, right? That weaselly yep. trade with the Cowboys yep. to legitimately steal Devontae Smith out of our hands. Like, we had Devontae Smith, right? He gets, in, in the Eagles stole him. And then that, you know, that sends the Giants on a path to trading back with the Bears and getting that haul of picks back and then getting Kadarius Tony at number 20 overall. But, yeah, there's a lot of storylines, Eagles, Giants. I think the fans are into it. The they fans are going to be loving your pick, Dan. Eagles are three-and-a-half-point favorites on uh, Tipico coming to East Rutherford. Again, I'm on the Eagles, so one team is playing better football than the other. But you sound like you're not only picking the Giants, you think there's an outright win in the making here for the Giants? I do. Yeah? I do. Yep.
2: I absolutely do. I, c- I can't tell you offhand what my what my score prediction was. It's going to print tomorrow, and I can't remember exactly what it was. Uh, but I am picking the Giants to win outright. I think that the emotions of everything are going to carry over. Um, I think the players are going to be determined to win this one for Judge. I don't necessarily think it's going to be a you know a season changing or season defining moment for the Giants. Um, but I think the emotions of this particular game. Are going to carry them in the end. Does that mean they beat the Eagles next time or that they're a better team than the Eagles are right now? I'm not going that far. I'm not making that sort of down the line prediction right now. I just genuinely believe because of what happened last year, what happened in the draft, the, you know, the change in the offensive system going forward, if they are true to their word and do get aggressive and let Daniel Jones throw the ball down the field. I just see this as a scenario where the Giants can't lose. It's In a way, it's almost like Joe Judge's job. If you're going to circle any game for the rest of the season that he has to win because of his own mouth, this is certainly that game, and I don't think the players are going to let him down.
0: The Eagles, as we said, smash bell football team, run first football team. That is somehow eighth in the NFL in points per game. The Giants are eighth to last. Uh, But Dan, you ever seen that show Lost? You know, that show Lost, Jack, Kate. One of my favorite favorite shows ever. Yeah, me too. I feel like you're, you know, you're you're in bed at night and all of a sudden like the island speaks to you about the Giants and tells you, you know, you have one of those experiences that tells you what path to take with the Giants because fans should be happy to hear that prediction by you because you're very rarely wrong this year. And again, it, it always seems like the deck is stacked against your pick and your take but your take always comes out right and mine comes out wrong so i mean uh, why would i expect anything different this week you know why, why? Uh,
2: my only fear in my prediction this week is that i i'm trying not to be blinded by bias because, because you as, hate the you, as you know on a personal level, this is the game that's been circled on my calendar. Yes, you hate the Eagles. Right. And I just I despise I despise the Eagles. Beyond beyond anything else, I despise the Eagles. I despise them like I despise the Red Sox. I'm open and honest about that. I don't care. I'll wear my fan card out there publicly. It doesn't generally doesn't influence my decisions or my takes. Um, and I'm hoping that this isn't the case either. But like I said, I, I have faith that the players will not allow their coach to burn in this particular game.
0: Okay, so as I said, the Eagles are a high-scoring team. Here's my final question for you, Dan. How many points is Freddie Kitchens worth? We're assuming that he's going to call the place because I hope it's not Joe Judge or somebody else. Freddie Kitchens at least has some experience doing it. Yeah. He did it for the Browns for a little while there. So how many points is he worth? The uh, total is at 45 and a half. The Eagles have been scoring points like crazy. The Giants, not so much as usual. Uh, but what do you think? Could Could Freddie Kitchens get this game cranked up a little bit? Could he get the Giants going? They say they're going to be more aggressive. Should we lean that's, over? What do you think?
2: That's gonna be- I'm, I'm taking the over and I'm, I'm going I'm to take them at their word. They say they're, that they're going to be more aggressive and I'm going to believe That's all that we can do, right? we got to take that's, people at their that's word. That's yeah. yeah for and, sure. uh, listen, Judge on Monday night, basically said changes were coming. 24 hours later, he made the change. So I'm going to bank on the fact that they're being honest in what they're saying. If they really do open the offensive up and they have everyone back and healthy, I don't know. You know, I don't know. We've seen we've seen moments this season where where they do allow Daniel Jones to just chuck and duck, and, and the results have been solid. Um, now, if they do that on a more consistent basis for four full quarters and, and there's none of that weird personnel nonsense that we've seen over the last, you know, 11 weeks of this season – you know, the guy potentially is the limit. Again, I'm saying this for one game and one game only. However, I, I, I want to make that abundantly clear that I don't think this is going to be some sort of miraculous lightning turnaround where the Giants suddenly become a juggernaut offensively and they're scoring 40 points a game. No, I just think that the emotions of this particular game is going to be enough to carry them. And if they do open that offense up and let Daniel Jones do what he does best and all of his guys are healthy. I think they're going to be able to put up plenty enough points to win this game. So I am going Giants and I am going over.
0: Okay, there you go. So I'm on the Eagles minus three and a half. Dan's on the Giants money line with the over and you should uh, you should side with Dan. That should make you very happy uh, as a Giants fan because I'm always wrong when I pick the Giants and Dan's always right. And that's just <laughs> something that happens every week. You can go back and listen to all go just skip forward to the third segment of each podcast, tally it up. I think Dan's like Nine or ten and one or something like that. What is it, Dan? Ten and one, nine and one, uh, something like that.
2: Not, not, I believe it's. I believe it's nine and one, and it's nine ten and, and one. one. If you want to give me the Colts from last week too?
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah, you were all over that one too. Yeah, I put you on the spot for that one too. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Colts. That was good. I don't think, thank you helping <laughs> out my Patriots. But all right, Dan. So that was uh, that was a good show. A lot to cover there. Uh, I just hope your football team hasn't spoiled Thanksgiving for you. I hope you can still enjoy your uh, your food this week. You know, like uh, it's it's been a rough week. Uh, they, get, sure. they, they
2: gave us all off on thanksgiving so I'll, I'll take it that's 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 what i'll take right there and yeah. i do want to say to everybody listening you know happy thanksgiving i hope everybody enjoys enjoys thursday enjoys some football and enjoys time with their family and friends.